Welcome to the Next Step Podcast with Jay. And Brad. Wait. Wait. I'm Brad. I'm Jay. I'm an All act. Right. All right. Dun, dun, dun. Do it live! <laughs> Jay is excited. <clears throat> I just had a protein bar. Woo! Uh, how you doing, Jay? I'm doing great, man. I'm just, uh, you know, living the dream. Uh, doing the news section. Dun, 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 dun. We, and today on Miami Vice. Don't scare off. We have a lot of new listeners now because of oh, the Cultural Hall. That's right. So thank Do you we, if you're pulled in from that. Thank you so much. And then, yep. We're, we're not on the next one yet, but we'll okay. be on another podcast uh, probably next week. We'll do a simulcast from another podcast. Yeah. And when we started episode one, if you listen to episode one, we, one of our motivations, at least my motivation was the podcasts that I knew that were church related were like, hey, we're, we're bouncing out of the church, so let's talk crap on the church. Yeah. Or okay. one foot in, one foot out, or I want to change the cult, uh, you know, if the prophets are old, we want to change them. Yeah. But we've been introduced to quite a few other people that do podcasts that are actually like just good work, good people, man. Pro, pro, pro church, yeah. Pro church. And that was one thing Brad, sorry, that's my phone. Brad was like, hey, I want to, I want to, I want to promote the church. And so you were, you were the resistance. You were like, hey, I don't know. What are we going to talk about? Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Yeah. So anyways, so that's good. So be good. we're going to be on a few. And if you're a fellow podcaster that would, you know, want to talk about us, it's, we're just about spreading the word of recovery and, and hope and the good stuff like that. Um, so, but this is news. This is the news section. Um, do you have, how's the search? J- Jay, I'm actually texting someone right now about the surf. Uh, today, today was horrible in the afternoon because it was windy. However, the swell is on fire right now. Tomorrow is going to be four to six if you're in southern Orange County. Four to six with occasional seven foot. We're going to have no winds and the tide is up around, I think three, maybe almost four feet on the high tides. I did have one person like, uh, why do you do the surf report? You have listeners from all over, and we do. Like we have a hundred countries that has pulled up. In the last month. And hopefully some of you surf because we yeah. love it. Yeah. But if you're not, you know, hey. Hey, tough. you don't like it? All right. We like it. That's it's, what it's we're two about. Seconds. There's uh, no wind. There's no wind tomorrow. That's I'm excited. A good I'm thing. going surfing first thing in the morning. And we're going to actually be on a trip. Next week we'll be out of the country, but we still hope to record. I'm yes, going to try to pack sure. one of these microphones. If pack not, my crappy one. We'll pack your microphone and we'll do, we'll do at least the news while we're there. Yep. Um, and I'm planning on posting that other podcast during that same time. But exactly. so, even though we're out of the country, we're going to still throw it at you. But we want to we want to thank you for the top countries just the month. Um, our boys up north, boys and girls in Canada, Ooh. is our second besides the United States. We're still mostly United States, but we've got uh, 101 countries in the last month. 101 countries. Yeah. And then some of these don't speak English as their native tongue, like Vietnam, Malaysia, Philippines, baby. Uh, I don't know. Tagalog. Okay, nice. Costa Rica, Pura Vida. Been to Costa Rica a few times. We have Mexico, India, Czech Republic, Germany. American Samoa, they probably speak English there. Yeah. Ireland, they were probably... I'm sure listeners in these places speak English. Otherwise, I, I would be curious. Way. I'd love to hear from you if, if you... They use, like, translation Yeah, just techniques. if you're not, or maybe they just second language, it's great. Either and way, we love you all, and keep spreading the word and keep listening. 
Okay, we give a little push at the end after we have a great Ask the Addict coming up. By the way, it's amazing. It's a new one, too, like a new addiction, per se. It's all the same. It's all the same. But, but it's a, a new one that we haven't discussed with someone. What we, do, what we do hit really heavy on it is if you're an addict, you can relate to any addict. Yeah. And, and when, when, you've, when General, you've talked about yeah. it, it's like, well, my addiction's unique. Yeah. But... But yeah, because in traditional AA or NA or any of these other pro AA, they're specifically, very... you had to be an alcoholic only to go, and uh, which is great, and, and that had its purpose. But with the church's uh, addiction recovery program, there are separate meetings for certain things, but the general meetings are the ones that I go to. And I believe that's because it's my belief now in recovery that it's all the same. It's all the same underlining things and weaknesses. So anyways... We have a great one. So stay tuned. Dun, 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 dun. What news do we got? We've got some addiction news. Um, yeah. There was a huge drug bust yeah, locally. Yeah, there was. I was just reading that. It said uh, right here, <clears throat> said in the huge drug bust, DEA seizes nearly 100 pounds of fentanyl arrest and arrests three. A federal investigation had led to a massive drug bust in San Diego, California. That's like an hour south of us. Yeah. Um, with three people charged at nearly 100 pounds of fentanyl, which, by the way, is killing more people in this country than anything. Um, the fentanyl overdoses are out of this world, and it's coming in from Mexico. Um, seized by the Drug Enforcement Administration um, agents. Most of the drugs were at a home in Lemon Grove, California, San Diego. Um, the Tribune reports... A lethal dose of fentanyl is just three milligrams, and the DEA seized, uh, uh, seizure uh, represents over 14 million um, lethal doses. So remember, 13, right? 13 milligrams is a lethal dose. They seized over 14 million lethal doses. That was wow. going to be distributed out through our country. For you, our women, children, kids, like all these people. It's crazy. Good. Lock, lock, get those things. Lock these freaking people up, man. Lock them all up. Um, lock the freaking borders. Lock them up. But what do you think? Like they say, you know, the war on drugs, we're losing the war on oh, drugs. Oh, for sure. The war on drugs can be a giant scam but, in a sense, of the big but sense. Don't but don't we stop this? Like, but yeah, for sure. But it does, yeah, it's bigger than just obviously building a wall. It's bigger than just uh, keeping people out. It's a drug culture that we have within yes. our society. And I've talked about this every time we talk in the wards is that 80% of the world's um, supply of opiates right, painkillers, are consumed here in America. So the demand is here in America. That's yeah. why we have the drug problem here in America. Now they have in these other countries drug problems, of course, but it's nothing like America. Every time... As long as the demand's we, here... We do. Dr- oh, every time I go to the doctor, I, no matter what, I walk out with a prescription. They're trying to give you... With an no antibiotic, what, like whatever something. it is. It's like, oh, you know... The medical system is set up. Do they, they must get paid more? I don't know. For I'm sure. curious. They like if they... Because, you know, when you go in, you get... You get like there's increment of billing, like, oh, I got to do an x-ray. Oh, you got to do this. That's piecemeal sure. billing oh, oh, yeah. so that the doctor's office gets more money. I, yeah. I'm curious if uh, the, the writing the pharmaceutical, Put it this way. The pharmaceutical companies, that there's, uh, there's a new book. There's a book. Uh, well, there's a lot of books on it. But there's a Prescription Thugs documentary that's on Netflix that's amazing. And it talks mm-hmm. about how the system works. And uh, there's a bunch of other stuff that you can read oh, and watch. But Yeah. Well, Anyways. we had uh, Carrie... Uh, Carrie Fisher died. Yeah. And her autopsy report showed that she, she died had, a while back, but now they finally did the autopsy. Finally, the autopsy right? had uh, c- cocaine, heroin, and ecstasy in her body. And the yeah. cause of death was sleep apnea. But I think a lot of well, yeah, deaths like, are, oh, yeah. they did this, they did breathing, this. They stopped yeah, breathing. They stopped breathing. Heart, at- they heart attack, stop breathing. But yeah. 
but it Pot- usually no. led from a like a, with heart attack with males. Usually, it's because of their what they're taking. I know adjusting. a few people personally that you know. Oh, it was a heart attack, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You had a heart attack because you were on drugs. And your heart stopped. A heart attack. Possibly. Right? Yeah. I'm no cornea or cornea. Cornea. Corner. <laughs> You're no corner. 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 I'm corny. But not a corner. Unique New York. Uh, one other news, we and some of these we posted on our Facebook page that you might want to go to. Go check that out. The Next Step Podcast Facebook page. It's actually Facebook.com, then forward slash Twelve Steps to Change. Boom. And uh, I we like to post some of these news on there. But mysterious illness tied to marijuana use on oh, the I rise in the states of legal weed. Someone called you out on Facebook and said, yeah, "Baloney." Yeah, this guy goes, "OBS." OBS. That's what he said. Yeah. Uh, I don't. You know, look at his profile Whatever. picture. Probably, yeah. Anyways, probably loves weed. Uh, well, I'm like, what? Like, you're, you're telling so me there's not. Say? What's it say? There's what's not a mysterious illness. So I where, was on Facebook. Remember, I'm back yes. on. So I'm off my high. Okay. okay. So where uh, legal use is on the rise? So obviously, Washington State. Yeah. Colorado, California. Um, there are people having severe abdominal pain and vomiting, and no doctor. No, this is one person reporting it, and. They're just there. The emergency room department has had a lot of these cases. There's a rise of of new medical cases in these states, and that you know they try to look at correlations. Mm-hmm. And there was a correlation that uh, that what one thing in common was the amount of marijuana that's being used, and and I think the the naysayers are like, oh, it's natural. It's not big pharma. That's why big pharma is trying to. I'm like, it's a drug. Like you tell me, there's no side effects. Well, the crazy thing is some nowadays, people eat bread, not, bread, and have a harsh not reaction. Weed anymore? Like we're talking about, like there's there's some some potent forms of marijuana out there, and different types of extracts that you can take. And um, of course, there's all sorts of reasons why you would take it or wouldn't take it. People justify, but um, it's not just smoking weed anymore. There's all these oils and vapes and different things, and it's pretty wild. So this thing is called cannabinoid hypermyosis syndrome. And it's caused by heavy long-term use of various forms of marijuana. For unclear reasons, the nausea and vomiting are, are relieved by hot showers or baths. So when they feel it, uh, you smoke marijuana, like, it's a pretty, and it's more powerful now. Like, it Way has more. an effect on your body. Yeah, totally. You can eat a donut and your body feels it's an effect. Sight, yeah. So don't tell me that, that taking in chemical and the higher potency chemical of these. One the long-term use heavy. of it and other stuff you may be doing. Um, yeah. But, hey, good, you know, if you're a member of the church... I think our prophets have said marijuana. Still a drug. Mm, still a drug. What did they say? Still a drug. Still uh, part of that word of wisdom thing. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of things in the word of wisdom. Tea's legal. Coffee's legal. Right? Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Uh, on another post, my buddy posted that up on his personal uh, Facebook page. And then, you know, like all these guys I know with the high school with that probably still smoke a lot of pot. Yeah. We're like, oh, it's BS, this and that. And there's one guy who I know has written a bunch of anti-Mormon stuff on his real estate webpage <laughs> in town. He's like, more people have died of coffee. And I've seen the guy blast the church on like, yeah, you guys you shouldn't be able to drink coffee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but his argument against this pot one was more people have died from drinking coffee than smoking weed. I'm like, come on, dude. Let's see if it's straight. So these, yeah. <laughs> they yeah, try the to make funny. as much connections as they can. Yeah. To, but, to meet uh, their agenda. Hey, if your life is unmanageable. Hey, dude. Yeah, the, the best part one. I learned I learned this in a or from reading the Big Book or some other. No, maybe it was the Joe and Charlie tapes, which is talks about A and Bill Wilson and all this stuff. But it basically said no, no one can identify someone else. Like we can talk and say, oh, that person's probably an alcoholic or addict, 
But you got to self-identify. And if you self-identify, maybe you will find the truth. That's what I love to do during our Ask the, Ask the Addict. Yeah. Like the lady tonight. I'm did. like, how do you identify? Yeah. How did, how did you get to that point? And why do you? Because I think that's uh, some people that aren't. Did someone tell you? Were? Yeah. Like, who tell are you to say? Like, why do you have to? Do they make you say that? Yeah. Um, doesn't it make you feel bad about yourself? Yeah. But everyone I've asked, we've uh, inside and outside of the podcast, is they be they have they get they find power in surrendering, surrendering, and saying you know? that. Yeah. Yep, and absolutely. you are no exception to that. Nope. Okay. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Concurred. Last section of news uh, is uh, four levels of pornography use and what to do about it. What? Uh, our, our one with our spouse of the addict, Pam. Yeah. Or Jan. Jan was her name. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of, lot of positive feedback on that one. Um, she was very brave to come on here and, and share. Um, and, and That was a great one. These things kind of run together, but uh, maybe in a future one we're going to talk about... Uh, one of the other podcasts we listened to interviewed the guy who does life-changing services out of Farmington, Utah. And they're very, they're, he's a, it's a therapy place and they give uh, clinics and things like that, specifically to pornography addiction. Okay. But, but it's great because it's like pornography addiction and addiction, but they're very focusing on pornography addiction. So he wrote, and I'll post this up in the show notes, um, four levels of pornography use and what to do about it. So level one, one level. Almost nevers, they call it. How do you can tell if your loved one is an almost never? Usually performs at normal levels in academics, social situations, sports, music, employment, etc. Second point, rare moments of unusual moods. Quickly admits any exposure to inappropriate material if confronted or voluntary reports exposures. Will not react with negative to blocks being put on electronic devices will proactively decide, can avoid exposure and appropriate material for long periods of times. That's the almost never. Almost never what? Uh, your almost never uh, level of pornography use. Oh, like the, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. So, the, so. Now I get it. We, we, all, will be, get we all will be exposed to pornography. For sure. Right? And I mentioned on here, I've probably seen more managing our, our social media. SoundCloud, our social media. I just got back on Instagram today, right? Like, or yesterday. Yeah. And then I had a, a new friend request, and it was a naked girl yeah. on the, her post, like, right there. So I didn't have to click on it. I could already see boobs right away, right? Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah, on our, on our addiction recovery SoundCloud oh, sure. thing. They're always boom, trying to boom, add us. Boom. And they're just links. They're fake accounts. Yeah. Fish. Um, but, like, I... I but anyways, like I was saying, I block right away, it, I admit, like, yeah, I talk, I, okay. I, we discuss yeah. it. Um, yeah. So that's the almost never pout, uh, level. So maybe you fall into that category. Number two, the experimenters. Mm -hmm. So these are those who are using pornography or other sexual misbehaviors more frequently, but are not considered an addict yet. Natural curiosities are to be expected, but can relate can lead to addiction. And then here's some questions on how do you know if your loved one is an experimenter. And I'm going to ask you after these ones, kind of like drug use. Like it, in the church, if I'm drinking alcohol, like I'm breaking the word of wisdom. Yeah, and if I'm, clearly. And if I'm smoking pot, I'm taking drugs. But this might fall under the category of me prescription pills, right? If I'm taking it as prescribed. Yeah. And maybe this experimenter part. Maybe I'm taking two instead of one. Yeah. So see how this can relate to maybe some drugs or whatever. Okay. How do you know if your loved one is an experimenter? Frequently... The frequency of exposure is increasing 
or you suspect it's increasing, even if it's ac- accidental. How would you know if you, oh, oh, even if it's accidental? Okay. Yeah, this is self self assessment. Okay, Mood shifts are becoming more frequent. Secrecy is becoming more frequent. Misrepresenting the truth is becoming more frequent. Performance in academics, social situations, sports, music, etc., is beginning to be affected. I work with a lot of high school kids, right, for my my academy. Yeah. Um, and you can, you know, addiction, whether whether it's drugs, whatever, like you can see a pretty quick change. Change. And yeah. and if you're a high school age, you're your school age kid, the most important thing you're doing is going to school, going to church. Yep. So if you see a performance drop in those, it might be an totally. indicator. Um, decrease not- in respect towards authority figures. Verbalizing increased apathy towards activities that are usually interesting. Reluctantly admits to inappropriate behavior and then values avoiding inappropriate media, but still slips more than once every three months, but less than every week. So to put some numbers on there. So, so that's an exper- that's an months? experimenter. Okay, that's an experimenter. Next level would be the addict. So if your loved one is making promises to themselves and to you, but are slipping in their ability to keep those promises, you are dealing with someone who is slipping into addiction. A layman's definition of an addict addict is someone who has tried really, really hard to overcome something and have and are unable to do it. They become moody, irritable, defensive, sullen, less motivated, etc. At this point, you are dealing with a medical issue and professional help is going to be needed. I have seen, this is his opinion, I have seen many families try to do the brain surgery that is needed to this point, but it is impossible to train parents and leaders with the skills and tools needed. If you fear you might be dealing with an addiction, it is time to acknowledge that training beyond willpower is needed. How do you know if your loved one is an addict? Here's some questions. They have significant, unignorable mood changes, primarily irritable. Significant and noticeable patterns of misrepresenting the truth. Sneaking and avoidant. Significant drops in self-confidence. Values avoiding inappropriate meeting, but still slips more than once every other week. No matter how hard he or she tries, he or she is unable to make measurable improvements. And then for, and then he's got links to his things. And then the next one is former addicts. Those are addicts in recovery, we would call. What do you think of that? It's interesting. I don't know. I, yeah. This is who wrote this? This is from the gentleman named Maurice Harker. Oh, sweet. He's a licensed uh, therapist uh, of life changing services. And, you know, he does uh, videos and they're, they're a professional. You know, you pay them to go get some services. But one of the good things is they actually, uh, what I heard of him on a podcast where, you know, you got these bishops, like they're an auto mechanic or a CPA one week and next week. They got someone in there going, I got a problem. Yeah. And most are like, I oh, will read the scriptures, pray, yeah. and like, you just know, don't do it. And we'll check tonight. in next week. And we'll figure out. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, when you get to a certain level, it's beyond, you need some professional help. And, and this guy's advice is go to probably his services. Um, our advice would be maybe go to services, but you definitely need to go to an ARP program. And if you're one of those former this addicts, free. this is free. Our, you know, ARP is Not free. Not saying that you don't need. I mean, I've gone to professional counseling and stuff. I think it's great. I think everyone should do it at some point in their life. Marriage, family, whatever, yourself, personal. But I think it would be really hard to put a, cu- a cookie cutter thing on it. But I think the one thing that stands out is: is your life unmanageable? Like that's the first thing I think of: is, is your life unmanageable because of your behavior? 
it's pornography. If you're looking at, because I think it seems to be, I don't know, judging by that, it's saying, okay, so you can look at pornography every other month. If you look at it, pornography every three months, you're good, as long as you wait three months. Which you would disagree with that, right? Yeah, well, I mean, judging by what our profits tell us, it's not good to look at it at all, right? So, <laughs> and this isn't just looking at it like, oh, I saw that. This that is means probably I can be on it for twenty-four hours, as long as I don't do it again for another three months. That's what I would. That's the attic brain mentality is going to start to justify that. Yeah. So if I took that thing, I'd be like, cool, I've never had a problem, or I don't because, have a problem today. Because every three months you're because binging. yeah, I may have gone six months, or I may have gone four months. So now I'm really doing good. So I must be really better. This things. However. What I do know is that um, the one part I liked about that questionnaire, and I'm not a professional, so whatever, take it a grain of salt. But one thing I liked was if you try to stop and you can't, that's unmanageability. And what do you say, Jay? Uh, can you stop looking at pornography? Can you stop yeah. sexually acting out yeah. just like you can absolutely. stop taking drugs? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Permanently. I mean, permanently, yeah. And you can live in that recovery state. Totally, yeah. If you surrender and if you admit and if you get honest and you talk to a sponsor and you have those those accountability things and if you are willing. We interviewed a guy pretty recently where he said the, the sacrifices he makes in order right. to. Some people are like, well, that's an all or nothing unrealistic. Well, to him, that's worth having his wife in his life. Yeah. So like His and, wife not having his wife cry. Yeah. Or yeah, not say, trust yeah. him. Yeah. There you go. And, and you've made the change the drug. Like, you can't go go to a bar. Yeah. Right? I mean, I can't go to a bar now, but I wouldn't choose to just go to a bar. But I can go to, like, a bar where we're eating, right? Like, yeah, like okay. there's a grill, right? Like, we have wings, right? Yeah. Um, I don't get tempted in there, but if I were to go there every day... Hmm. Or by yourself. Or by myself. Like, you know, anyway. So maybe that's what they're talking about. Like, are you going there daily? You know, I don't know. Well, with pornography, it seems pretty cut and dry if you remember. Pornography? I mean, we will see it, but it's like, what do you do with it? Like, do, yeah. am, I cl- am I... What I do is as soon as I see... Followers yeah, like me, I'm can... I'm unfollowing immediately. Yeah. Um. So, I'm unfollowing. I'm making those choices because I'm like, oh, that's now that that's what that person's doing now. Okay. This way, if you're listening and you're wondering if you are or not, you know you are. First of all, you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. But uh, we have a lot of non-addicts listening to this, Jay. We do. Thanks. So. Of course we do. I know personally. They enjoy oh, this. Oh, they, cool. Yeah. Okay. These twelve steps work for anything. No, oh, sorry, I didn't mean that. Uh, what I meant was taking this, like, if you were ta- to take this survey, if you're already questioning whether you are or not, you probably are. Okay. For the most part, not always, but maybe not. Uh, I just say for me, the opinions expressed here are those of the, of the host. Yeah, the yeah, no, this host. is totally my uh, opinion once again. But uh, I know for it's me, we're here to straight talk it, straight talk and real talk. Like, okay, when I when I was uh, having a really hard time with pornography when I first joined the church and going on a mission, getting prepared. I could have I could have minimized and justified and came up with some excuses, but reality was is like, I knew, like you know, we all have a spirit. We all have been given that um, that intuition. Um, I get that sometimes you may be so full of your own lies and and deceit that you may not know. But unfortunately, I, I really believe that when you do step one, which is get honest, and if you really take a look at, at your behavior, and if you are really confused, go to a meeting and then talk to someone afterwards. Hey. Like there was, right? Say it's a new meeting, right? You've never been, you know, you never talked to a bishop, you never talked to your wife or anything, but you show up to a meeting because you looked online, you heard the podcast, you go to your local meeting, find the guy up there like me who's talking, and then at the end you go, hey, I don't know if I really am one or not. I've had these conversations with people, but this is what I'm doing. Can you let me know? Is this a problem? And then have them help you. That would be my advice. That's great advice, Jay. Yeah. Uh, I'll okay. be here all night. <laughs> here's here's I'm going to give a challenge to the last category he said is former addicts and this is something we really need in the church 
we have a lot of people that get recovery, get sobriety. And they disappear. And then they never speak of it again. Because it's the culture of the church to say... I repented, I'm done. Yeah, I and buried my weapons y- of war. Y- you, there are people, beg, they beg us. They're like, man, we get asked to go speak all over because their ARP meeting has no one in recovery. And, I, and I'm like, you, you tell me there's no one in that stake. That is never... The thousand people who's never gone through the 12 steps and never got sobriety. It's not true. That's baloney. That's yeah, baloney. Those people are just hiding. Yeah. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what, yeah. But they may be going even to a secular meeting. Maybe they themselves have never gone. They could be. But I would say this. Look, you came, let's say whatever stage. Let's say you got sober at not 12 steps and you joined the church. You know what? Get to a meeting. Do the 12 steps. You've overcome something that mo- many people die from. Yeah. Many people lose their family from. So whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs, <laughs> alcohol, food, whatever it is, if you overcame it, through the 12-step or not, if you haven't done 12 steps, then go do the 12 steps in an ARP meeting and then go there and help someone. Yeah. But if you have, you are hiding your recovery under a bushel. Yep. And there are people, and I sit in our meeting and I'm like, there's three and four generations of people that would not have gotten, if you hadn't have come to, if you hadn't continued to go to meetings, Yeah. there's multiple layers. Yeah, for sure. And I was thinking about that too tonight when you said that, because it's like, I remember when we started our meeting in our stake, uh, I was the only one sober. That's right? true, yeah. So, and, and now, like, I can point to eight or nine people yeah. out of a room of 40 or 30. But if you got sober and, like, I'm just going to keep going to my same meeting and I'm just going to... Yeah, when you start asking me those questions, I'm like, yeah, no, it's good, though. I'm good. And, like, everyone's good. Yeah. Um, I'm like, just going to stay really... here. I'm going to yeah. go... You could have stayed in the meeting in San Clemente, right? Yeah. And been in... And still had the but same recovery I can and still na- like, Yeah. We can name people on, on two hands. So you, what he's trying to say not. is you can do the same thing in your area. You need it. You need to do it. Yeah. I'm going to tell you, are, you not to. only can you, you need to. Boom. For a, well, if we're up here at midnight recording this podcast, yeah. you can show up to a meeting once totally. a week. And we and both got work tomorrow. But we're doing it for free because we love you guys and we love this. We, we, we know that there's people out there, like you said, dying. And if it's pornography, their families are suffering and they're spiritually dying. So get to a meeting. Get honest. Uh, take this. Take that, whatever that uh, thing is, anyways. I don't even know where Adam's Survey. Tired. Yeah, we're tired. All right, we're, we're going to go to your step two share, Jay. Boom, let's get it going and with then hope. S- H-O-P-E. That's step. Hold on, pain ends. Hold on, pain ends. Share, and then we're going to have a beautiful, wonderful Ask the Addict. Oh, stay tuned. It's amazing. Don't go Sign anywhere. Out. Hello, I'm Jay. I'm an act. Forgive me if my voice goes out. I've had bug but um yeah just like this step on just like any other step that we read um it it describes me perfectly when i first came to the meetings it says most of us felt uh stripped of any hope my life was i didn't even have a flicker of hope like i was not even the smallest my wife had left me i was detoxing from like four or five different prescriptions i was out of money i was sleeping on my mom's couch i had a one-year-old who i couldn't see and a baby on the way and um i was I felt like God had turned his back on me. My friends had turned my back. My wife had turned my back. Like everyone, doctors, you name it. It was I was just full of pain and full of like hopelessness. And that's the only way I can really describe it. I came to my first meeting and several others after that just full of anger and full full of um, what it says in the next paragraph. It says, um, when we first came to meetings, we were filled with doubt and fears. I was full of fear. I was like, there's no way, there's no way I'm going <laughs> to... There's no way I'm going to ever be sober, first of all. I just didn't even think that was possible. And I didn't believe the people in the rooms were sober. I'm like, I, well, I just didn't believe. I'm like, if you're a really addict like me, then there's no way that you had recovery. 
because it's impossible. That's how I felt because I tried it so many times. I had detoxed, I had, I had relapsed, I had uh, started using, I'd switched from one addiction to the other. I was like, there's no way if you've gone as deep as I have with opiates or certain pills or alcohol or whatever, or pornography, so there's no way that you're gonna live without something. You're always gonna have to have something. Like, there's just no way. And, um, but then it says right here, um, we were frightened and possibly even critical, which I was. I judged, it's funny, because the guy who runs the San Carolina meeting, he's got like the longest time in the meetings, like 27, eight years. When I first left the meeting, the first time I met him, I told Xander, who took me to my first meeting, I was like, oh, that guy next to me, he was drunk for sure. And he's like, yeah, he, the guy's got 20 something years. Like, <laughs> that shows you how like full of it I was. Like, I didn't know which way was up or down. Like, I couldn't, you know, that's me though. Like, that's my disease is, even though I lost everything, I was still judging people. I was still looking down on people, yet I was in the gutter. How's that even physically possible? Well, I found a way to do it, and, um, and uh, it didn't last very long because that, when you're out of everything, when you've burned all the bridges, I mean, I still had more bridges. I could have been on the streets, like I was still sleeping in a house, which luckily, but uh, <laughs> we're, we, after a while, it gets old, and you're like, man, I'm, this sucks. You know, and, and is this gonna be the rest of my life? Like, I'm, I was 26. I'm very old, and I don't only been a member for about eight years, nine years, and I was like, man, is this gonna be the rest? Of, this is what the blessings I get for joining this church. Like, is this? You know, I had all these excuses. It was never my fault. I was out of hope. But then it said, um, we were we were frightened and possibly even critical, but at least we came. That's one thing I did do right in the beginning. Is I went to a meeting after my first meeting. I went the next week, and I never missed a week. The only thing I did in the beginning, I heard someone say, hey, if you could just show up here every week, your life will be blessed even if that's all you do. So I was like, okay. In the back of my mind, I was like, well, I'll just show up and prove that that guy's statement was wrong, you know? Once again, critical. And, uh, but I came. And then what happened after about three or four meetings, my wife still was not talking to me. My life didn't seem to be getting any better. I was detoxed from the drugs, so I wasn't sick anymore. But I was, I was just kind of lost, you know? I had switched. I was smoking, you know, I just switched from opiates to cigarettes and... I was like, man, what am I going to do? Am I going to go to drinking? Like, you know, I just was so lost. But then it says, I kept coming, right? And it said, and I'm only one meeting a week, and I don't recommend that. Definitely go to more than one. But it says, there we heard men and women honestly describing that their lives had been like, what they had been like, what had happened to change them, and what it was like to live in recovery from addiction. We discovered that many of the people we met in the meetings had once felt as hopeless as we felt. But now they were laughing, talking, smiling, attending meetings, praying, reading in scriptures, and writing the recovery journal. That meeting was full of like five to seven people, but all five to seven of those people, minus me and my buddy who would go, because we were both in the beginning of our recovery, was like they were laughing after the meeting. You know, they were like happy to be there, or shake each other, giving hugs before the meeting. I'm like, why are you happy to be here? This is miserable. Like, we're the scum of the earth. We're the scum of the church. We're the scum of this. This is how critical I was. This is where the adversary was so like, you know, and uh, now I, I think when I re every time we come to this step, I think of how it is when the meeting starts. Like, I see everyone here and I'm like jumping up and giving fives and giving, you know, I'm just cracking jokes. And I'm like, I'm so happy to be here. I'm just as happy when you guys walk in the door as when I walk in and I see my kids. And I mean that because um, that's the best part of my day for sure. You know, like I, I enjoy there's things I look forward to. I think are going to give me pleasure, like surfing or whatever. But like the best time where I really feel happiness is when those kids come in, right? And they just hug you, you walk in the door and they're just like, oh, they're so, you're, you're everything to them, right? And that's how I feel when I come in the meetings though, now. And I used to come in the way I told you, where I was down, I was out, I was critical, I was hopeless, and I had zero faith. 
that God was going to heal me or even forgive me or even if he loved me or even if he was there. But as I kept coming back week after week, that paragraph I just read happened in my life. And uh, it worked for a while. It kept me sober. And I remember the first time my wife talked to me um, after about three or four months of being separated. And I'd only see her when we'd exchange my son. And it was getting close to our second baby being born. I was like, man, what's going to happen? And I had a couple months, three months sober. And I remember calling her. I'd heard the facilitator in Sacramento say that her, how her life, she's getting like a year or two-year chip or something like that. And she talked about how she got custody of her kid and just like all these things, you know. And I related to that story. Because I had this kid who I wasn't able to see 24-7. It was killing me. And uh, I, just, I just started listening. And then I, eventually hope came into my heart. And I know it's a principle that's a gift. It's like the tender mercies, right? Because I didn't do much, right? I just showed up. That's all I did. I wasn't even fully committed to this thing. Like, I just was like, I'm going to be there, though, every week. And then that way I can prove that it's wrong. You know, that's how I went into it. But it ended up hope started coming into my heart. And then... My wife called me and I told her, I said, I just heard this most amazing story. I think I'm going to do this. Like, I think I'm going to, like, I think there's hope for us or there's hope for me at least. And I remember her being thrown off and she didn't yell right back and hang up. She just was like, oh. And she talks about that conversation now that that was the first time that she felt that there was hope in her life uh, of her chaos because she was in chaos too. We know this on a single disease, a family disease. It affects everyone in your life. And, uh, that's just a little bit about, you know, where I started to get hope and where I found the real hope, though, because that's only enough to keep, you know, to get you so far. I had to do these steps. I had to find a sponsor. Coming here is great and it's awesome. and It's a way to get started for sure. But what you have to do if you want to maintain the, the 60, 90, you know, six months, nine months, the years, if you want to maintain those, we're told by people who've done this before us that you have to get a sponsor. You have to call them. You have to be identified and you got to do these steps one all the one through 12 there's no skipping there's no stalling you just get them done because then what you find out is really you don't have it all figured out and you realize like how much you have to rely on step 10 and 11 right the daily accountability and then also praying for guidance and, and seeking revelation in your life and then 12 that service is where we live that's how we maintain our sobriety um, because that's what happens when you reach out to help and uh so hopefully that helps someone. Um, I'm grateful that we had the rooms filled up and I pray it's, you know, it's my prayer that everyone shares tonight, you know, and find the courage to share what's going on. And, and even if you don't have that, you know, tonight where you're going to share, just listen and, and really take in and identify, turn off the critical side of your brain. That's what, that's what I had to do. It was hard. It was a very critical person. I still can be, but the spirit's in this room. I can feel it right now. And I'm grateful for each and every one of you guys in your recovery and your willingness to come back and fill me up with hope. And um, I say that in the name of Jesus Christ, amen. amen. Ask the Addict. Hi, how, how are you? This is very nice to see you. Hi. What is your name? I'm Courtney. What up, Courtney? Hi, Jay. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Dude, I'm good. Brad. You're here. Hi, Brad. Hi, Brad. Oh, hey, Brad. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm here. Brad and Jay. Yeah. 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 
Courtney, glad you're here. Glad to be here. You have uh, been in our meetings for quite a while. Yeah. And attended the ARP meetings with your spouse. Yeah. And your spouse is a self-identified, in fact, we say who the spouse is? Yeah. Yeah, Xander. Xander. He's actually been on the podcast Been on the before. podcast a He's couple times. He's actually the person who took me to my first ARP meeting, so great relationship there. And so you probably started coming to ARP meetings because of your husband. Yeah. So um, when was the first time you went to an ARP meeting? Um, so we got married, and then we moved back out to Hawaii, and we were there for like a year, but just like didn't really go to any meetings out there. And then we came back, and... I went to my first meeting, uh, the San Clemente meeting, when I was like nine months pregnant, just to kind of see what it was about, and that was my. So you'd heard one. about these meetings from your husband? Yeah, and I was really and excited to check them out, and you know, like why were you excited to check them. it out? Just the way he had talked about them, they just sounded like so powerful, and um, you know, it just sounded like people were like actually getting honest with each other in these meetings, and I just wanted to kind of like see that happen. Okay. And I've heard you share before in the meetings uh, that, like, one thing that you, what drew you to your husband, Xander, is that uh, before you guys even got, you know, before we really even started dating seriously, he was open about his whole entire experience with addiction, recovery, going to meetings. And so mm-hmm. I'm sure that played a part in to the now after you've been married or, you know, and you go into that first meeting. No, definitely. I mean, I think the first time we, like, really hung out, he just kind of laid out his whole story for me. And it was one thing that, yeah, really drew me to him because there just were no secrets. He wasn't ashamed of who he was. He wanted me to know who he was. And, you know, I just, I love the idea of just people, like, laying it out on the table, like, what's going on in their lives and, you know, like, being humble and asking for help. Now, we have you on here not just because you're, you're a spouse of an addict. Yeah. You've recently identified as an addict yourself. Yeah. So how do you identify yourself? So I identify as a compulsive overeater. um, And I think some people will say food addict. Some people say compulsive overeater. Some people say both. Um, I think when I think about it, the difference for me is that food addict is like there are certain foods that like you just have no... Control over. Yeah. If you have. No control over. Yeah. And you just don't go near those specific foods. Meaning like chocolate or Yeah. Meaning, you know, I know some people who just won't touch sugar in any form. Okay. Well, I I remember one from our meeting back in San Clemente a long time ago. She like, she was a food addict. She identified and then Mm -hmm. she lost like a ton of weight. But like not only that, she got physically, mentally healthy, which is what we're talking about. But... Um, she had stated one in one chair that like she there were certain her sponsor had told her like hey, you can't have flour this that and the yeah. other it was like there was like strict it was like gluten wheat sugar the whole thing yeah and a lot of people are like that and that isn't really the route it's I different. wanted to go yeah okay, cool. so for me it's more like I know there are foods that I tend to overeat on more than others of like course. I'm never like overeat on like broccoli or something yeah but like it's kind of hard to overeat yeah broccoli. but I know for me it more comes down to the behavior like I've just learned like the actual food doesn't really have anything to do with it you know now That's there are cool. probably people listening and and you first thing like come on food <laughs> like yeah. overeating like that's yeah. not that's not uh, pornography you're not it's not drugs it's not, not drugs I'm not gonna kill you but then again, but overeating could kill you. I was gonna like, say it's one of the leading causes of death. And, I was gonna, yeah. and diabetes in this country. I mean, not only that with anorexia. If you've ever, if anyone's listening, if you've ever met someone or seen someone that's anorexic in public, uh, that's the first thing you think of is, oh my gosh, like yeah, this is the most gnarly. unhealthy person I've ever seen. Yeah. But one or the other, like when I when I see someone because you, you know that's overweight or extremely underweight, it's like whoa, 
Yeah. So you're like, not, whoa, there's someone's some, not quote normal. Yeah, like uh, yeah, you realize how unhealthy it can absolutely. be. Absolutely. So when did you uh, I'm curious, like, when did you, you're going to ARP meetings, your husband's an addict, he's talking about 12 steps all the time, he's sponsoring mm-hmm. people, and you're coming to support him. Yeah. Like, I'm here to support him, and yeah. this is great, I love it. When, or did you early on and not express it, or was it a gradual thing where you're like, you know what, the, yeah, maybe I've got some things I've yeah. got to work on. So it's really funny because I think after we've been to a couple meetings, I remember thinking like, man, like I really want to do the steps, but like, like what am I addicted to? You know? And I couldn't like come up with anything. I was like, I'm not addicted to anything. Like what am, like, how am I going to do the steps? You know? And so I just kind of like put that off and then probably like, I don't know, maybe like a year, maybe less, like going to meetings. I just kind of like, you know, people would talk about like how unmanageable their lives were, how like disconnected they felt from God when they were like, you know, in their addiction and, and talking to Xander, I just kind of realized like I used food the same way other people use drugs, you know, like, and I think that, um, we started to go through some like tough times when Xander was getting surgery. And that's when like, it got like crazy for me. And I just kind of noticed like, I would like, take food and like take it in the bedroom because I didn't want Xander to see me eat it or like I you know we had tubs of ice cream that his mom got us for his surgery and I would get up at 6 a.m and eat it like purposely wake up early yeah before he was going to be awake and eat it and then like I remember I'd eaten the whole tub in like one night and I was like oh man like I need to go to the store tomorrow and buy another one so Xander doesn't know I ate all that like he'll you know he's gonna make fun of me or sounds like like me clearing out someone's medicine cabinet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Except for I can't just go pick up a new script of Oxycontin. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm just going to take one. Yeah, I'm just going to take one. And before you know it, like, I remember finding family members' pills and, and then taking one and two. And then yeah. before you know it, I took the whole bottle. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it was funny because I think, like, when I started working with a sponsor and all that stuff, I was I still was, like, not all that sure because, like, you know, some people are, like, have, like, taken stuff out of the trash can or eaten rancid stuff. And, like, really? I've never done that stuff, you So know? did you go to a meeting? Real quick, slow down. So so you had that experience where you relate. You're like, dude, this yeah. is – I think this is what I'm doing. Yeah. What, what happened right after that? So I went to an OA meeting, and it was cool. What, what is OA? So Overeaters Anonymous. I okay. went to one of those by us. How did you find that? Did you I just remember? looked up online, and okay. I actually went to one, but I didn't, like – double check that it was in the right place and like I showed up and it was like a construction site and I was like oh like it's not meant to so be so there is a website though that people yeah. look at. we'll figure out what that there's is there's this thing called Google we'll post yeah. it on there OA.org yeah they have the there's the O-A-A-A and there's everything yeah. A.org and yeah. meeting finders on there so I finally ended up getting to one and everybody was like I just, I don't know, for some reason I was expecting it to be so different than ARP just because, you know, like yeah. it's not the church and whatever. But like I showed up and everyone like introduced themselves to me. It was so nice. And it was cool because sometimes in ARP, like I feel a little bit um, like undeserving because I'm like, man, like I'm not like on drugs. Like mm. I'm not, you know, like drinking every night. Like maybe my addiction isn't like as severe as other people's and and, like, in the end, it's all the same. But it was cool to go to, like, an OA meeting and have people, like, everyone's dealing with the same stuff, you know? It was a sp- and, specific meeting. Yeah. yeah. And so that was cool. But I also, like, I saw a lot of the similarities. But I also realized, like, a lot of people were, like, way more gnarly with their addictions than I was. But So you saw people further down the road, basically. Yeah, definitely. Where it could go. Yeah. So and that like, scared me, too, because I was like, man. Which like, is healthy. Like, it's hard at first. But, I remember that. But yeah. yeah. So that's kind of my question, Jay, kind of to both of you is... You, a lot of people, like, I 
I, we don't have an addiction. I've got a quantity problem, Jay. You mentioned that. Yeah. I've got a quantity, <laughs> but I got this. I just need to cut back. Yeah. And food is very similar. Like, I just need to cut back. Yeah. Um, I have a legitimate reason to eat. Yeah. Um, but, but one of the things of going and why you have talked about this, Jay, why you identify as an addict in a meeting is so people can see where this leads. Yeah. And... And that's what you said you saw going to an OA meeting is mm-hmm. you saw, here's where I'm at. I could see myself getting to where they brought yeah. themselves. Yeah, okay, well. definitely. Because it's progressive, just like any other disease, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I saw it getting worse because I think... You like, saw I, in your own life getting yeah, worse? Yeah, because I'd always kind of felt like I had a problem with food and whatever. And I was like, oh, I just have like a lack of willpower. You know, like I just love food. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like you try to do diets. Yeah. I was always trying to do diets. Like I remember like me and Xander when we lived out in Hawaii, like I'd be so stoked to tell him about this new diet I was going to do. Yeah. You read in some magazine or some movie star. And he was never that stoked for me. And I was like, why isn't he excited? And then like two days later I'd have failed and I was like binging and I was so upset and it was worse than before I started. And have that experience quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) And he would just be like, this is so hard to watch you do this. And like, you know, and then and it's just worse. And I remember he had because it is worse. That's yeah. kind of crazy when you say that. Because like it would just get I, worse. Like my wife, or her family, my family members, or friends, they try to do these crazy diets that mm-hmm. are like not really a change in lifestyle yeah. or like getting to the root of the problem. They're just like restrictive or whatever they are. The the relapse when they're done is like tenfold. Yeah. And not only just with the actual food itself. The way that they feel about themselves. Yeah, I just would get deeper and deeper feeling worse about myself. And I remember Xander saying, like, the more times you do this, the less control you'll feel like you have of yourself. And and I did. That's how I felt. Wise wise words. And he even wanted me to reach out to a girl that he knew that was like a recovering food addict. And I remember being so offended by that. Because I was like, I'm not a food addict. Oh, this this is before, yeah. Yeah, this was like way before. I was like, I'm not a food addict. Like, I just, like, I need to lose like you know, 30 pounds. Yeah. Like I'm not a food addict. Like that's ridiculous. I'm thinking of myself, I'm a pretty trim guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. but there's our times Less with jeans, but like <laughs> I go to Baja fish and I over, like I eat, I hate being stuffed, like the yeah. feeling, but I'll go to Baja fish. We've had fish, this discussion many times. And I hate, you like the feeling, <laughs> yeah. but I'm like, I hate it, but I'm like, I gotta have that cheese quesadilla or cheese enchilada and the rice and beans and the shrimp taco. Yeah. But I, probably everyone listening to this has gone to that part yeah. where I'd be overeaten and and that's uh, like how do you know when you're past that like yeah i'm doing this every meal or I, I think if i'm getting up at five in the morning to sneak some ice cream or some tacos it's probably or, an issue it might <laughs> probably, be an issue. It's probably, probably a little bit more than just that's probably yeah. an obvious one but yeah. there may be less obvious ones a big part of it for me that like because a big part i think was talking to Xander. it was so helpful having him so just bringing this up right away yeah talking to him about yeah, I think it because I, have a problem. I could be like this stuff's all normal to me because I've been doing it forever but like I was going to say was this, this a thing before like in your life or yeah. is this only just no, when things got stressful no it's been a thing I just like you know I just had always thought it was normal and like my obsession with food like we would know like we were going out to lunch that day and I'd be thinking about it like the second I woke up like man what am I going to get at lunch like are we going to get dessert after is like, this we, when you were a kid a teenager or this was like uh, always but especially like me and Xander love going out to eat okay. and so when we knew we were going I out to eat like <laughs> who doesn't? Who doesn't? But like, we'd go eat all you can eat sushi, and I'd be sick, and I'd be like, dude, let's get a pizuki. Like, let's go get Afterwards. something else. Yeah. And I would just like obsess over it, and then after I ate, I'd obsess over what I ate, and like, you know, Xander like would be able to like, like regret, yeah. guilt, you, yeah. like shame. And Xander could walk away from it and be like, man, I ate too much and not think about it again. And I'd be thinking about it for the rest of the night until like I ate something else, and then I wasn't thinking about it anymore. Okay. You know? 
which kind of reminds me of making mistakes did, in other aspects w- of my life. Was it progressive? I mean, 10 years ago, was it the same way? Or did you see it as life? I mean, it's new life mother, marriage, new mother. Yeah. Like you got, you know, c- careers. Like you're at that phase of life that can be quite stressful. Yeah. You, you know, move, moving. Did you see it getting progressively worse during that time? No, or? definitely. So it was, we kind of like always had really healthy food growing up and whatever. And like funny, like my mom would get like a box of like like El Fudge cookies or something and they'd be gone within like 10 minutes. Like she'd have eaten them all. So we just your, never had your that. Your mom so. would have eaten them all? Yeah, my mom okay. would, you know. And so like we couldn't have them or like, you know, we were all like in a rush to eat them whenever we had them. But, but like when I moved out. Was there out, a lot of kids? Like the, the house were like. No, there was just three of us. Okay like three kids, but it was usually between me and my mom that we'd like go hard on the, on the food. But I think compete over who's going to get the most. (laughs) Yeah. But I think when I moved out to Hawaii, I gained like, I don't know, like 40 pounds and then I got pregnant and I, yeah. Yeah, And and I just figured like it was cause like I was like with like, I mean, Xander's a big dude and like he eats a lot. And I always thought like, well, if I'm not eating as much as Xander, like I'm not eating that much. And then I got pregnant and just in my head because I was pregnant. Like, like I can do whatever I want. Yeah, I can eat whatever it's I excuse. want. It's my excuse. That's what everyone and I says. Was, I was so miserable being pregnant that, like, I would use I food that. to cope with that. You know, I, I didn't want to go out. I didn't want to do anything. Like, I just, I hated. And your pregnancy was hard, too. Like, yeah. I remember you being sick. Me and Lexi visited you guys. Yeah, in, I was you know, sick. And just, like, everything was so hard. And that's kind of how I dealt with it. But I just felt like it was part of my pregnancy. And then after I had our baby, like, things kind of got better. But... Um, it wasn't really until Xander had his surgery and like life kind of like started to show up hard again that I like really started to like delve into yeah. the food to like find comfort there, yeah. you know? And then so you go to the, so, so now you're starting to notice it's stressful. You, you, you find you, you go to the, you go to that first meeting, you have that experience. It's, it's actually a great experience. Mm-hmm. Did you uh, talk to anyone after? Did you get a sponsor? What happened? So I ended up leaving the meeting because Xander was watching our baby and I had to leave to, like, go pick him up. But um, I think at that point I had a sponsor that someone from the Mission Viejo meeting had set okay. me up with. And so I'd gone to a meeting in Orange and met her. And um, it's funny that, like, our, the stuff that we're talking about is hope because I remember that's what we were talking about at that meeting when mm-hmm. I met her. And I just, like, broke down, and I just remember being, like, I've, like, admitted that I'm an addict, but, like, I feel less hope than I've ever felt in my yeah. life. Like, I feel like I just have no control. And I started working with her, and we worked together for, like, a month or two, but, like, we were just different as far as, like, yeah, she cut out complete food groups and wanted me to do the same, and it just mm-hmm. wasn't really working for yeah. me. And then I'm now with a different sponsor that I actually found online, okay. and that's when working out better, yeah. but... That's a, that's a segue there because Jay and I are firm believers because we've seen recovery happen with a sponsor. Yeah. And sometimes the first sponsor isn't the right one. Yeah. And so uh, is sponsor shopping a right term? Was there a <laughs> yeah. term for that? Yeah. What's the term? I mean, it can, it can be dangerous in her situation. It's not. But I mean, as far as like judging by her story, it was the right thing to do. Um, but you, it can. You need, you need to pray about it. Probably For sure. Like you got to make sure you're not making excuses, which she's not. But I'm saying there are people that come and they every time their sponsor tells them to do something, they find a new sponsor. Because the sponsor's going to tell you some harsh, like going to yeah. tell you some things. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's different. So, so yeah. So when drug addiction, right. sponsor key. Food, compulsive eating or food addiction key thing yeah, i mean it's it's, it's a, a part key. of the program okay yeah i i'm pulled up some questions on uh, and we'll post this up on our 
our page of some questions to ask to self-assess. Did you online and do self-assessments to see? I did, actually, because I remember talking to Xander about it, and then I was like, I'm going to look this up because, like, there's Did you answer the yes and no's? Yeah, so I went you on did? to, like, so the food addiction self? question, really? yeah. and, so, like, 90% of them were yes, and I was like, oh, shit. So like, I'm going <laughs> to... So, I don't, so I don't even want to go on there. <laughs> so a lot of these are treatment centers. Um, I'll try to of find course. one that's not a treatment center, but most of them are about the same, but I'm just going to read a few off for our, our listeners. Compared to others your age, do you spend a significant amount of time worrying about your body, shape, or weight? Jay, you'd say yes to that. <laughs> okay. Number five, would you say that food or thinking about food dominates your life? The next question, do you worry you have lost control over how much you eat? The next question, do you make yourself sick when you feel uncomfortably full? Eight, do you believe that you are fat when others say you are too thin? Number nine, has anyone, a physician, coach, family member, friend, or therapist, expressed concern about your weight being too low in the past two years? Do you avoid no. eating? For this one <laughs> no. seems, me this one <laughs> seems me. more in line to undereating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think undereating yeah. and overeating yeah. are very similar, no, just definitely. different, yeah. different cause. Um, so I'm going to kind of go to the next phase. So those ones you could relate to if I yeah. replace over or undereating. Yeah, definitely. There's a few. That was all they asked. Okay. So I got a question for you. So so okay. you get a sponsor. You, mm-hmm. you, it didn't work out. You find another one. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things that worked out with this new sponsor you have? Like, what is she having? You Is it she or he? Is it she? She, okay. Yeah, it's like an eight-year-old lady in An eight-year-old? Nice. Yeah. In Scotland? Yeah. She's all super right. cool. Um, it's Scotland. just, it's different cause my first sponsor was very focused on the food. Like okay. we didn't really focus so much on like the behaviors that were like okay. getting me there. But my sponsor that I have now is very much focused on behaviors. So like, she's like, you can eat whatever you want. Like, I don't care. But like, it's about the behaviors that, I can see you what know, she's like, saying, yeah. And so um, she's been really cool that way. I like. So do you work the steps like we do? What is, yeah, yeah, I send her pictures of what I eat, so she really? can kind of. Yeah, I yeah. don't have to do it, but so she can kind of see the portions, and it's easier to do that than like just real time, like you're getting ready to eat your meal. So I could do it at the end of the day or whatever, but I just do it as the day goes on. But that's kind of like a humbling accountability, aspect. Yeah. accountability right? Yeah, in the she beginning. sends me a thumbs up, or if she says like, you know what, I think like your portion of chicken was a little too big, and I'll be like, all right, well, like I'll work on that tomorrow. You know, I'll that's have good. A portion. And so it helps keep me accountable. I feel good because I'll look at my plate and I'll be like, am I like... Yeah, I'm going to take a picture you know, of this. I have to take yeah. a picture and look at it. And sometimes I'll like put something back. So I'm like, no. That like, takes a level of humility. That's too much. That's different. That's, I mean, the, the, that, that is like, harder because it's easier to just cut food out. Like, yeah. I won't eat this. Yeah. yeah. What you're doing is a next level. Yeah. That all or nothing mentality. And very, like, I can't have second honest. helpings. Like, it's like I have that one plate. Say that again? Second helpings? Yeah. I can't have any like... Like, I can't go back for seconds, you know? So I have a food plan that's, like, I have three meals a day, two snacks, and they all have to be the right portions, you know? But, like, I can't have anything else besides that. Like, if what I put on my plate wasn't enough, like, sorry. You you don't get seconds. I don't get any seconds. And, um, like, if I want to have a dessert or something, like, I can. But, you know, she's told me, like, try to stick to special How about going out to eat? Because that's where I feel like I always over because their portions are huge now. Yeah. So a lot of times what I do with her actually is I send her a picture of what they brought me and then what I'm bringing home because I like, I know like, yeah, okay, like I'm going like to two or three portions. And yeah. she's on her side of the world. She's not real time because she no. doesn't get to the next so morning. It's so it's like just nighttime. It's just accountability. Yeah. It's okay. just for me. Yeah. And so she, I have certain meals that like, I'm very like habit habitual, I guess with my eating. Like I usually eat the same thing, like breakfast, lunch, snacks. Yeah. And so 
I'll I'm just the same like way. I'm like a routine. Like I, once I get on what I like, yeah. whether it's I'm healthy like, or not, it's like I do the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I'll just, you know, tell her those. But yeah, especially when I go out to eat, I know like, okay, like I'm going to cut this in half and eat half of it. And sometimes I'll tell her, I'll be like, you know, I felt like I ate too much tonight. And has that helped you? Has it taken yeah. that like accountability? Yeah, it helps me a lot because I know like if I'm not telling someone what I'm eating, then I feel like I'm like keeping secrets and I'm like, no one's going to know like if I, you know, have an extra When I sponsor a new person whatever. with drugs or alcohol or pornography or anything, um, I, got, I have them do the same thing in the first, you know, until we get through the first like maybe five or six steps like they they're supposed to contact me daily yeah like, you know what i mean some way shape or form text call whatever um and that's really it's just to break the isolation yeah from like because most of us live in our mind isolation all day long and shame, right? yeah isolation and shame but it, that that mindset of isolation where we have these crazy thoughts so what is so that's more on the food accountability mm-hmm. what is she doing um what does she have you do as far as um the mental side you said that's a big deal yeah so we i'm working the steps with her and um She's not, like, LDS or anything, okay. so she has no idea what ARP is. And so I have, like, the OA book that, like, I go which through. Which is a 12-step. With her. Yeah, which yeah. is still 12 steps. But um, the way – so I'm on my fifth step right now, and the way she kind of has me do it is we do, like, one resentment at a time, one fear at a time. We talk about it, we deal with it, and then I go on to the next one. So it's been, like, two weeks of us, like, working on those. But so that's what we're doing right now, and um, it's cool because she's helping me, like, let go of those things. And, like, I feel like um, – you know, we were having, like, a tough time last week, and I, like, messaged her, and I was like, listen, like, I, like, I'm scared, like, there's so much going on with us, and I just feel like if I were to, like, sit down in front of the TV and just, like, you know, eat a tub of ice cream, like, I wouldn't feel this way for, like, a minute, yeah. but I know I wouldn't feel that way for a minute, so I can relate you know, and even different? though she can't no, get back to me right away, like, I know that, like, it's going out into, like, Yeah, in the universe, the world, she put and, it out know? there. And so it helps me to, like, realize, like, what triggers me to want to eat. And she, I just feel like, gets it, you know. She'll, I'll tell her stuff. Like, I've told her resentments that I just feel are stupid. And she'll be like, I've had the exact same one. Like, I get it. Like, So you're starting to realize. Class. I remember when I started doing my fourth and fifth step, especially my fourth step, is I realized that, like, I had just finished fourth and fifth. I realized, like, it's all about fears and resentments for yeah, me. Like, those definitely. are the things that rule me. They either yeah. rule me or they don't. I guess. So I either surrender them daily. Like once you do that fourth and fifth step, then it's a daily surrendering those yeah. ones that you identified with are your main character defects or weaknesses as well as my strengths. But uh, I, I just I had never known for my whole life before I'd come to the meetings uh, that that was really what rules us all. Like everyone, even yeah. the people that are extremely confident, like, you know, what I mean, because I can come off extremely confident that I got it all figured out. But inside is I'm ruled by fears and resentments. Or things that I'm ashamed of, or things Definitely. that I'm hurt from. Um, did she? So, so you're on that step, and then, by the way, I, did we already ask this? But you have this in your family, like before, like is it with me. I have alcoholics in my family. Yeah. And I have anxiety in my family. Is it the same with? Um, so I wouldn't say anyone in my family like identifies with this. Like I've told like my parents. I mean, like, have you grown up in a pattern where you've seen this with other people? Yeah. So my, um, my mom just like ever since I can remember has always been on a diet and it's so funny cause every time she's on one, she's like, Oh my gosh, like I'm going to lose all this weight. I'm so committed. And like, I just remember so many times being little, like watching my mom stand in front of the mirror and just pick herself apart. Ugh. And then she'd be like, but you guys yeah. are beautiful. Like I hate she my verbally body. verbally say this. Yeah. Yeah, she would say, like, oh, like, I would say, Mom, you look so pretty. And she'd be like, I look so fat. Like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to church because all these ladies are so pretty. And, like, I look like this. And, like, and it was just so, like, confusing to me. And I just didn't really get it, you know. But um, 
And the way she was with food, like she, you know, we always had healthy food, but the second we had something unhealthy, like she'd eat the whole thing. was gone. You know? And, um, and, you know, she was upset she'd go to food or whatever, you know? And then my sister was bulimic and anorexic for, yeah, a super long time. She's still really tiny, but she's like, you know, working on recovering from that. Cool. But, so it's just funny because like, so it is kind of in your family then, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the same, right? Yeah. We just have polar opposites. (laughs) Hey, it's all, it's it's all the same though. Well, it's funny you say that because I'm thinking back and I'm like, man, because I went through a transformation of my health, you know, and my, after getting sober, then I like, I realized it was, I had a, you know, it says your addiction switch. And I realized like I was gaining weight, like, uh, like, and not, not to the point where, like, it would have – but it, it kind of was, though. Like, I mean, for my height – and I remember getting my health insurance plan, my life insurance plan. And uh, I was going to the gym every day, five or six days a week, surfing, all these things, extremely healthy now, sober, don't drink, don't smoke. But when they came over to write me this giant policy, um, it came, they wrote me a, a, a proposal of what it would be. But then once my blood work and my weight and all this stuff got measured, it came back and it's like, hey, this is – you're going to pay this extra like amount, higher risk. higher risk. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm freaking sober and I don't do drugs or any of this stuff. Like, what do you mean I don't smoke? Like, what are you saying? They're like, your weight to height ratio, which is, seems lame. I'm not saying that's for everyone. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's, it was, I, I like, it was one of those things where I was like, maybe there's some other things I need to do. Like, sure. I mean, I was 210 or 20, uh, 10 or 15 pounds and I'm 5'9". You know what I mean? And... I like to say that was all muscle, but reality was it wasn't. <laughs> and uh, like, like reality is, I've been, I've, I've lost weight when I first joined the church and got healthy and quit some things. Yeah. Um, and I remember getting down to 170. I was like, dude, at that point though, I've really felt hopeless. Like I was like, there's no way I'll ever get to that weight again. Not that it's all about the weight, but uh, a place. I remember being that way, and I remember feeling amazing mentally. Yeah. That's what that I mean. Yeah, you look good, but it's like the mental part. And but so, what's interesting, Jay, when you went through that, you had an accountability. Totally, you were taking pictures of your food. Totally, and there yeah. was the quote shred thread. Yeah, where, where, <laughs> yeah, when I went through this transformation, but but, but you were accountable to those that's why guys that's why it works. And say, here's what I'm eating. Yeah, yeah, and same and thing. It's hard because. Um, it's really easy to focus on the weight, yeah, right? For sure. And I, I've done that my whole life. Sure. Like I want to be a certain weight, or like I'll be happy when I'm this yeah. weight. And um, that was one thing that my sponsors really helped me with because I'll like come to her and I'll be like, listen, like it's been a month and I've lost like two pounds. Like what? Yeah, you like, freak what's out. going on? You know? And like every single time I come to her about that, she'll tell me she's like, it's if not. you focus on the weight, you'll lose the recovery, and if you focus mm. on the recovery, you'll, you'll, lose, lo- the you'll lose the weight. And it's true. And yeah. like I read that in a book. You know, like I'm not like good. it like this perfect weight, but I don't like I don't go to bed like feeling guilt For about sure. what I'm eating. You know? And like I don't I don't care so much. I'm like no. oh like I want to be healthy and. Like, I want to be, you know, I want to lose weight so I can have another healthy pregnancy because my first one was not. And, like, they thought I had diabetes and everything. And, like, I don't want that again. But, like, it's which, not about the weight scary. for me I mean, anymore, diabetes which, is yeah, gnarly. Like, my, yeah. my family, I have family and friends. Like, you know, it's like uh, when I went to that transfer, I read all these books, right? And it was all, mine was focused on the food. But, like, I'm, I'm trying to relate and say that, like, I realized, though, that by taking control over the things that I quote unquote wanted, but weren't wanting me, right? Mm-hmm. They weren't healthy for me. Like I, I literally felt mentally like, well, and this is kind of obvious. Like you eat healthy, you feel better, but that's yeah. not always the case. Like yeah. you eat some broccoli. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. I've never <laughs> felt good after eating broccoli. However, yeah. after a long term yeah. of, of eating healthier foods like broccoli over yeah. like French fries, right? Yeah. Reality is like you start to feel amazing, and they're like, whoa. And and it's interesting. My moods are better. Yeah. Right. Like my de- my decision process, my connection with God. Like when I 
was in that state where I thought I was fine yeah. and I got that policy done, like, I wasn't, though. I knew I felt disconnected. I knew that I, even though I was going to meetings, doing all this other stuff, I was uneating. I was, I, it was unhealthy. It was like my new form of drug. It For was like sure. one of my things that, like, I was going out to eat because I, I was stressed or I deserved it or, like, I just made some money or, like, whatever it is, yeah. like, you know, or, I was, yeah, anyways. How has but, your spirituality changed? It's changed a lot. I remember um, I read something and, like, I don't know. It was online when I was looking up, like, food addict type stuff. And it was basically just saying that, like, you know, that if, like, when you overeat, it, like, blocks your spirituality. Totally. Then, like, you know, that's, like, a problem. And I just kind of realized, like, whoa, like, when I overeat, like, I'm obsessing about what I ate, you know. And it puts me in, like, a bad mood because then I feel bad about you myself. You judge yourself. I judge yourself. myself. I take it out on my husband because I'm, yeah, like, insecure about yeah. myself, you know. And Is that everything that ever? Totally. I wonder if a drug addict is listening to this, going, <laughs> "Come on, the girl." The only addict that's listening to this that's doing that is someone who hasn't really identified with who they really are as an addict. Because I'm listening to this, I'm going, "Not only I understand with the food because of the transformation I've done, but this is like to a T what it's like to overcome drugs." Yeah. and I think you experienced that in our or meetings. pornography. Like or everyone. Sure. You can relate to everyone, and everyone can relate to you. Yeah. Like, and people love having you. So just so you know real quick, like <laughs> make a little stop real quick. Uh, I'm sponsoring this this friend of mine from high school who's not a member of our church, right? Mm-hmm. So you're listening. Uh, he, he reached out to me on Facebook. He's starting to come to our meetings now. And I asked him right away, like, hey, if we can find a non-member, non-Christian meeting or a non-Mormon meeting. He's, he's Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... And I was like, hey, there's also a lot of people that aren't alcoholics and acts. Are you cool with that? Like, you know, because I didn't know. He's been to AA and stuff. And he goes, first thing he goes, like, no, are you kidding? He's like, I love that fact. And he even specifically said, I love the fact that there are food acts in this meeting because I've realized he's at a point in his recovery where he realized that drugs and alcohol aren't really his problem. They're a solution. And the mindset of all this stuff that we talk about, food, pornography, gambling, spending, whatever it is, drugs, it's all the same. And this is from someone who's new in recovery saying, like, Basically, your shares and, and, and a couple other people that are in there that have identified as, as a compulsive eater or overeating have helped him stay sober from alcohol. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, he literally said that to me, and I was like, oh, wow, okay, great. I mean, I always felt that way, but I didn't know if a newcomer would feel that way. Yeah. So that, hopefully that makes you feel good. And, and, yeah, you, <laughs> and on the flip side, you can relate to someone who's I'm sure. a drug addict or a porn That's how you oh, identify definitely. in the first place. Yeah, in the first place, because, like, you know, at first I came in and, like, not that I felt bad for people, but I was like, wow, like, it's crazy. It's like, people, like, feel this way, you know, and, like, this is nuts. And, and, like, and then I started, like, really listening to what people were saying. It and was I'm them. Like, Holy cow. First game, like, it, was, it was about them. Yeah, and then it started to be about me, and I was like, that's how I feel. Like, man, like, this I is have those crazy. Thoughts about yeah, myself. I have those same thoughts. Like, that's how I feel after, like, you know, I eat or, like, I don't know. Just, like, crazy thoughts that started to, like, come out. Judge yourself, yeah. Yeah, that I started to actually say out loud, you know, to Xander or in a meeting or whatever that, like, before I just kind of kept to myself. I have a question about sobriety date. So when someone... Yeah, how does that work? So, yeah, clarify. We talked about it before. No, like, for a drug addict, my sobriety date Yeah, it starts when you... And some people sobriety, like, I've had X amount from cocaine. I've had X amount since alcohol. Yeah, some people separate them. Different, and then... Uh, I think ARP culture is here's my sobriety date of being clean of all drugs and alcohol. Yeah, my and then for substance. pornography, it's here's my sobriety date from when I last, last looked at porno- yeah. pornography or act out sexually. Yeah, um, how does it with with, it with compulsive? Food? Like, what's yeah. that? It's it's tricky. I was thinking about it tonight as we were talking about um, the step we're on because he was talking about like 
you know, like how we are all perfectionists and like, yeah, yeah. you know, everything. And I remember that was one of my fears on my inventory was my fear of like doing things imperfectly, including my inventory. And I actually just talked to my sponsor about that. And I was like, I've been really getting down because I feel like I'm not like doing my recovery perfectly. You know, like I'm, I stick to my food plan. That's kind of what my recovery is my abstinence is, is like, you know, I haven't. Do you have a date? Do you have yeah. a date? Like, okay. So how long has it been? Yeah. So I think today's 70 days. Okay. Wow, so, awesome. you, so just like any other addict, yeah. you have a date. But I'm not like, abstinent from any, like I've had sugar. Like right. once or twice, so does that start you know? then, I guess, with, um, the, the, the mindset of Yeah. What it's the mindset. I haven't binged. I haven't like gone to food to cope with so things. So <laughs> technically a relapse would be, um, for you and your sponsor the way, cause it's different or is OA have a set? OA, they're like, theirs is more just like abstinence from like binging or overeating okay, cool. because they know that some people like will still want to eat sugar or whatever. Yeah. Some people won't. But um, like you said, I really believe that. So the more I've learned about health is, yeah. is that that uh, there are some foods like yeah. for me that's that trigger me to want to eat other foods as well as don't make me f- like they literally can lead to my behavior change. Yeah, like but, I notice a behavior and some don't. Yeah. But it's been tricky because like I want to do my recovery perfectly, you know, yeah, and I messaged like, her yeah, and, yeah. and I was like, this is so hard because like when I'm making dinner, like sometimes I try the food a couple times, like, and technically like that's grazing. That's not part of my food really? plan. And, you know, and like that makes me well, feel bad. Because you're like, you yeah, know? I can see why you're tasting it. Yeah. 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 Sometimes I just taste it because it's good. And I'm like, that's not yeah. me being perfect in my recovery. But, yeah. you know, and she's just told me like, there's no, like, there is no perfect recovery, you know? So as long as I know that I'm, like, working on It's progress, myself, not perfection. Yeah, absolutely. It's progress, not perfection. Like, every day I see something, like, okay, like, I know I can work on that. Like, I probably didn't need to have, like, you know, as much rice as I did or whatever. Tomorrow I can work on that. Totally. But as long as I know I'm trying, because I know, like, when I've, like, just given up and I'm, like, all right, like, I'm going to Yeah, I'm just throwing in a just, towel. Yeah. Even no matter what, I know I'm not hungry because I've been there. Yeah. And I'm, like, you know what? I'm pissed today. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I deserve, I want to eat this because, you know what? I don't feel good. And yeah. I know this while I'm eating better. it, <laughs> the minute I stop, I, it sucks. Yeah. Like, for the food that I like, I like the greasy fried, yeah. you know, like, and I want fried chicken. I want french fries. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Or I want cheeseburger and I want french fries. Yeah. And it's, like. The moments I haven't full gone back to some of the gluten and whatever, but I'll have the fried, which has gluten and stuff. I feel I start the whole process again in my yeah. brain, like where I'm like, not only for the food, it's not even just the health. I'm talking about the shaming myself. Yeah. And then I start, you know, pinching my skin and like stare in the mirror. I'm for sure I've bodied this morning. <laughs> Lexi always tells me that all the time. But 70 days, that's too? amazing. Like, yeah. ah, that's yeah, amazing. Cool. I, I guarantee there are people listening right now that are, that are like, okay, dude, if she can do it, I can do it. Because, like I said, I mean, even an alcoholic, Right, who's not yeah. a non-member who walked into ARP and heard your share and, and the other person's share that, um, specifically said that that gave them hope that they can overcome their demons in their mind. So what would be your advice? You have a, 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 a brother or a sister listening to this, yeah. and they're like, you know what, I do eat. You know, mm-hmm. I'm stressed, I'll go eat this, and I overeat, and, or they binge, or whatever food-related. Yeah. Um, what would be your advice to them right now? They're listening to this and they're oh. like, they got that little sting, <laughs> that little burning, that little trigger going. You're basically they, talking to me. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> I know I bought this morphia. You know, they're trying to push pause and go to Joe Rogan or something yeah. right now and not want to listen to this. But but they're, you're still listening to this because you're relating to you right yeah. now. I think a big um, turning point for me to see that I really had a problem was like going to like the like Overeaters Anonymous website and doing like the questions. Cause I was okay. like, there's no way, like I actually Honestly. have a problem. And that helped me. But I think like the thing that actually really, really helps me is coming to meetings, right? And like we, we have a baby, right? We have to get a babysitter, but 
like I couldn't do this if I wasn't like coming to a meeting every week. So okay. meetings is huge. So, so yeah. let me pause on that for some advice. Like, so we first have members of the church. Yeah. Like if one of the first things is like go to a meeting Yeah. and you can go to a meeting and arp.ls.org or you go to overeateroa.org mm-hmm. and you can sit and be quiet. You can introduce yourself by your first name only and then sit and just listen. Yeah. And it may take a few times to go and go and see if you relate to these stories. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That would, yeah. I mean, you, Jay, you talk to, about going and you're like, I'm not like these crazy people in this meeting <laughs> yeah. until you talk I, about that all the time. Yeah, I was, I judge, I mean, like I said, my, my disease is not, is not drugs and alcohol. My disease is myself and my ego and, and, and my, my thinking that I'm, I'm unique, you know what I mean? And I'm immune to things in life. And, and then I go in there and I start hearing, like you said, the same chair. You, I mean, they just love it. How many people we've had in that chair and, and like every single one of them is the same. Totally. Yeah, so, but but I get a lot because I get calls from bishops yep. and whatever, and they're like, well, we have this person. They don't are want they anyone. Or they no, not? they don't want anyone to know. And I'm yeah, like, are well, they like trying to make an exception? You know, it, you know can they person. can they do something? Can you do something just one on one with them? Like and side my, work. My <laughs> initial is <laughs> like, <laughs> they're not serious about getting recovery. Then I've had yeah. those calls too. They're like, hey, can you come meet? I heard you're like you. I heard you're like a counselor. I'm like, no, bro. Like I have a full time <laughs> job. I got a wife, kids. Like yeah. I got my own stress and stuff. How only way I know to get sober is to do exactly what you just said. Is show up to a meeting. If you're serious, you'll come back. And if you come and you and you introduce yourself, you'll get a sponsor, and then that's it. Yeah. Whether that's me or someone else, the point is, is like that's the only way I know how to get sanity back. Is, yeah. is, is that back. the same culture at the OA? Um, like, is that th- that are they kind of hardcore in there? Like I mean, that? I like I said, I've only been to one of their okay. meetings, okay. but like, and I think my sponsor because you go like to ARP, just so yeah, knows. I go to it's ARP, like just, yeah, okay. yeah, and I just I like ARP, like it just you know, it, I feel like because I know you've people. already did the identifying, yeah. you already have your OA sponsor, yeah. Now you, yeah. So, but, but that's but that's cool because we talked about before. If you don't have a sponsor, go to AA. Yeah, go to go NA. Get one. For yeah. the go get a sponsor. Then, yeah, because my then, sponsor's OA, yeah, and like then I come love to ARP. Come and do ARP yeah. if you want to be inside the church and have that. If yeah. you can't find a sponsor in your small town or your country, because we have listeners all over and their meetings, we we're super blessed. Where we have you, we've got multi generational sponsors. Yeah. Um, but, 30, 40 people. But there the are room. people that don't don't have that. They go to a meeting. There's two people sitting in there. And it's a senior couple, God bless you, who don't, you know, they're like, we got this calling, I got this name tag. I don't know, you know, my great grandson may be an addict. Yeah. But, and then I don't like, really know. Uh, yeah. and, and this book says to do this, yeah. but God, they're, they're trying to There's do no it. There's no excuse, right? Like you no. went out there and you figured this thing out and you got 70 days on your belt. Yeah. You're, you're accountable to another human being, which is it's really like in the beginning of this whole thing, it's the hardest thing mm-hmm. is yeah. to just talk about it. And now you're on a podcast. Now I'm on a podcast. I freaking love it. <laughs> uh, do, are you? A, did you break anonymity outside of the room? And yeah, like, would you share? talk about this with anyone, or is this yeah. kind of like right here? Yeah, I mean, it's been like tricky too because I just feel like sometimes, like you know, when I talk about it, people kind of look at me like that's not a real thing. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like Baloney, just because right? you like to but eat. But people say yeah. that with alcohol, believe it or not. Yeah. Like, outside I, church for sure, right? For sure. Yeah. Like, dude, pornography's not a problem yeah. outside the church. Food could no, be the and same. I told my parents, like my mom was just church, like, um. Yeah, like, what was that like? Okay, like, like, cause she knows they know Xander's an addict yeah, yeah. and everything, but They're probably like, my dad was just you. like, "I'm glad you found something that worked for you." And as soon as I told my mom, she's like, "Oh well, I started Weight Watchers. You should do Weight Watchers." Oh yeah, never wants I'm to like, give you okay, their advice on what they mind. did. Yeah. You know, and so like, they, I don't place, think they just really get it. Yeah. You know, but I've told my sister gets it right. She grew up in the same house. She obviously was anorexic and everything, and so. When I told her I was doing this because I was like, I'm not motivated by weight loss anymore. I'm not motivated by, like, other people thinking I look good. Like, 
I don't want like my kids to see me view myself the way that like mom viewed herself, you know, like I will not let like my daughters when I have them or Knox or whatever, like see me. Because that's how we're programmed. We just, we do whatever we see. And like, I think about my wife or I think me and Lexi, like our kids already know they go weigh themselves. Like, and it's not something we tell them to do, but they just follow what they see us do. Right. Like I've heard Rusty say like, oh, he'll tell people because I got on this crazy kick. Like sugar, like it's been to the point where I'm like, whoa, I'm so sorry. Like don't listen to him. He doesn't (laughs) know what he's talking about. He's six, but, or he's five. But I like, you know, sugar will make you fat. And it just says that right to people. Like you shouldn't be eating that. You're going to be fat. Like I'm like, oh my gosh. He thinks it's all about being fat. And don't get me wrong. That's like my shallowness to to motivate me. But reality is like I told you and I've told to the people who are serious about it. Like I did it because of my like mental health and physical health. Like, you know, the way I felt. But I, I, I can, I, dude, once again, identify with you. The, uh, my family gets it now. It's been four and a half years. But when I first told them, like, I was getting, they didn't really fully get it. Yeah. You know, for sure not. How like, much? How can uh, you? How, I mean, cl- clearly in the United States, we have an overeating problem. Yeah. Like, we go, the big, go, we have the, well, these other countries are catching up now. Mexico, the, China. They are coming places. up, but, you know. But we're number one, you, for sure. And you go to Disneyland and you can quickly see <laughs> autoimmune diseases yeah. all these different yeah. and, then, and then the diseases that you know the I mean it's it's off the chart like yeah. we're obese we're all these documentaries obese if you go to Netflix right now you can probably find 20 documentaries sure. that have been made in the last 4 or 5 years that are amazing I do recommend yeah. people watch them but at the same time it doesn't help. I used to watch those all the time. If you were like me, like that didn't make me, that didn't teach me the tools yeah. to go and no, for sure. and overcome the mental side of it or the yeah. spiritual side of it. No, but I think especially in the church, it's a really big problem too. And I talked to my first sponsor about that. Totally. She she was like, I think that like, you know, more people than like we even know oh, yeah. in the church are dealing with like overeating. And yeah, but like sure. it's an acceptable way it's to deal with It's an acceptable problems, addiction because you know? she told me it was totally. a good girl's addiction, you know? Because yeah, I never, I've never drank. I've never like, done drugs Dude, when like, i first joined church you know? courtney I, i'll never forget like going to the singles ward and after the linger longer right in the singles yeah. ward i would like and i just got really healthy because i just quit smoking i got like on this health kick and i lost all this weight and i felt great i was 19 20 and then i walk in and there was cookies ever <laughs> like i couldn't believe it i was like what is happening right now i'm like why would these people like these remember word of wisdom was yeah. taught to me yeah. so yeah. to me i'm like dude it talks about vegetables in here it talks about like all this yeah. stuff and Where's i'm the like carrot platter i'm like yeah there was nothing there was no, the big bowl no, of ranch the yeah. vegetables were those cheese potatoes that they call the church potatoes or whatever right funeral potatoes, funeral potatoes or whatever the heck they call them the point was it was, was like once again i was like this doesn't this is contradicting to what i just over i i had to work really hard to stop smoking i had to work really hard to stop drinking at that time and to eat. i looked at it as fast food too like that wasn't i didn't yeah. think like i i feel like if joe smith was here today he'd be adding a lot more things in there right energy drinks some, some other stuff and i just the culture of the church Put it this way, when I went to the MTC, I gained 30 pounds in my first six weeks. Like, I'm not saying everyone would do that, and that's not the church's yeah. fault, but what I'm saying is unlimited. <laughs> okay, I worked so hard to get, like, everything under control and to feel good about myself and also to, um, to be just healthy decisions. Like, yeah. literally not – I was that guy that just kept going back just for – because. Yeah. Like, because I couldn't even control it. And then I got in the MTC, and it was like – it was so stressful to learn another language. It was so stressful to be away from your friends, family. And then you go into the, the cafeteria three times a day, right? <laughs> but when you're in there for three times a day, man, it's a full ice cream bar. And I had uh, an ice cream or donuts in almost a year at that point. And I went in there, and I'm like, I can eat this. And then before you know it, I couldn't stop. 
and I'd have four or five maple bars in a row. And then before you know it, I woke up one day in my pants. Yeah, it sounds awesome. I haven't had one in over a year, by the way. Um, but uh, the point is... Were is they a, chanting? Yeah. Yeah, all the Polynesians were like, eat more. You know, you can eat more than that. And I thought I'd just maintain it, and I got really, like... Anyways, the point is the culture in the church. I mean, this yeah. you're helping. Just know it that you're on the front of that. Statistically, we have prescription pills yep. in Utah because they're legal, right? Yeah. My doctor gave them to me, and I think I, I could be wrong on this, but I think the state of Utah has a number one much for higher, an- antidepressants. Yeah, um, because it's anxiety, it's, yeah. it's illegal. It's yeah. safe. like, hey, I'm okay to do it. But we're but some people. Not I'm not saying everyone, but yeah. but some people are could be abusing that. Yeah. And it's like some people abuse food. For sure. And it's just, I mean, even outside of the church, I think it's just like, you know, socially normal to use food to numb you. Like your boyfriend dumps you, like, go oh, get true. a pint yeah, of ice like cream. That's you know? TV. As well like, as connecting with people, yeah, right? That's like, how you I watch one of these documentaries yeah. that talked about like the culture of food is not just for numbing and all this other stuff. I had never thought about connecting cultures. Yeah. Like you talk about with Xander, like my funnest part of my day is when me and him like we'll meet yeah. up and go to lunch because it's like, like we talk about all the stuff. And and like, yeah. But then a lot of the times, we're both gonna feel sick after. We're yeah, gonna a lot of times <laughs> we go to, we go to next level. Like, yeah. and I don't do that with any other pe- person. We have a great time, but uh, but if like you, you look at that as connection. Yeah, but no. What I'm saying is like is it can become that way with other things in life, and then it can become that way with your spouse, your yeah. family, and. Um, what an amazing, uh, like, uh, once again, I can't applaud you enough for identif- for going to support someone. First of all, a lot of people don't do that. They don't want to yeah. support their spouse, right? I've seen that. But then you go support your spouse, then you're honest enough, and it shows your character and who you are as a person that you're willing to, uh, to, to be honest with yourself and then to get honest with others and now to come on a podcast and talk about it. That's not normal. Okay. I tell you, that's not, that's not <laughs> like a normal attribute that people, you know, so I'm grateful that you're here. Oh, thank you. Anything else, Brad? Yeah, like what uh, you so first advice was go to a meeting. Maybe yeah. if you're go on the questionnaire. If you're second, go on the questionnaire. Second guess it. So let's say they've done the questionnaire, and sometimes I go on a questionnaire and I think I got cancer. Like mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. online ones, I discount it because <laughs> yeah, yeah. it, it says I'm going to die from whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm trying to sell you something, and so I'm like discounted. But so they've gone yeah. in and they're like, maybe I do. Maybe this is, and they don't have an OA, or they're too scared to go. Like that would be a good thing to do. Yeah. So let's say they're like, okay, I think I. I have it, and and they're going to their local ARP meeting or OA. Yeah. Do you? Um, I can't remember. Do you say your? Do you introduce by first name only, or do you say? Yeah, I mean, so you, I say I'm Courtney. I'm an addict. Just you know, because. Do you, did did you do that right away? Like when you first? That's a culture it within was so twelve scary. step meetings. Yeah. So the first time I did that because I was working on my first step, and I was like, I know that my like I can't go on to my second step till I sit in a meeting, and when we like introduce ourselves, I introduce. Did someone make you that. do that, or did you no, just do it internally? I just knew like I couldn't move on until like because I wasn't being honest with myself like if I couldn't say out loud. And I remember going to meetings and being just like so impressed that everyone was so honest and could do that. But I felt like I couldn't. And then when I did, and I shared that day about like my struggles, I think Jay was there just about, you know, everything with my mom and how I was hiding food and doing all this stuff. And, and I admitted that I was like an addict. And then, you know, since then I feel like the more times I do it, the more I'm like proud to say that. Because you're you're controlling it. Yeah. Because I'm like, I like before I, you know, did that, I could never get this under control. You know, when I thought I was in control, I couldn't control any of this. And now that I know I'm not in control, I've been able to like, you know, have control work on this, have control. It's crazy, right? Yeah. You surrender, surrender. You, like the so out of place in the world to surrender yeah. to win or just surrender to have control. Yeah. 
It's been crazy. If you go surrendering, you lose your control, but no, you gain it. And then you'd key of getting a sponsor. Yeah, and that actively was working the biggest the thing. And daily accountability. Like, it's just the whole stuff. Yeah, yeah. Whole I couldn't do yeah. this without a sponsor. I mean, after I, because my first sponsor actually dropped me because I had, like, had sugar. Because you were working the program like, the way she wanted it. Yeah, yeah she's she, like, I can't relate. Like, yeah, you know, I just true. don't think I'm the right fit. That's and I remember being, being like, honest. well, I can do this on my own, you know, till I find a sponsor. And I couldn't because I wasn't accountable to anybody. And um, this yeah. this woman who's now my sponsor had offered to be my sponsor earlier on. And Xander encouraged me to go, you know, talk to somebody. To find someone else. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, okay, like I'm going to do man. it and messaged her. And, and I couldn't do it without having a sponsor. So that's been like a really, really big part of this is having a sponsor. Um, what I love about the 12 steps is it is the gospel of Jesus Christ because uh, how much are you paying this lady? Nothing. She talks to me all day, (laughs) every day. She (laughs) is burning up minutes uh, and her time and herself and everything to, to be of service to you. Who's you've never met face to face. No. I mean, this is, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ service of your fellow man or woman and you're giving back. And that is what the church organization does. But there are great people in and out of the church that are doing it because that is, that's, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, and like, it's just, I, I love it. Jay, do you love it? Yes, I do love it. <laughs> Jay, I love if someone's Gordon, listening awesome. to this podcast and they yeah. like it, what should they do? You know what they should do, Brad? Is first of all, they should click on it and make sure they subscribe. Then after they subscribe, they should make sure that they write a review because that's how we get to the top so other people can find recovery or more strength in their own recovery if they already have it. Then what they should do is go to our social media webpage and then share it with a friend or just share the podcast link. Okay. And what is the- What was that? <laughs> that was Sorry. great. Okay. Facebook.com. Facebook. The Next, uh, Step, the next podcast. Step Podcast. Actually, it's Facebook.com forward slash... 12 steps to change. Yep. And, and then uh, Instagram. Yeah. Um, look up, tw- just Google it. We have a website that we're getting tuned up. It's just the next Remember, we're just a couple guys. Both have uh, full-time jobs. Brad's got more things on his plate than me, but yet he still finds the time to do everything. Jay is so busy with building our website and our <laughs> social media page. And I'm back on work. the social media page. I'm going to bring that thing back up. If you I did take a detox. Remember, if you're listening, I took a detox for a month from social media and it's good because now I can have control because I surrendered and now I can look at it and the minute it gets under control I'll surrender again and so one day I just never so we haven't had a lot of posts lately that's why but but seriously spread the word like yeah this this, is amazing this program works by getting it out there and and I think a lot of people are afraid to like hey checked out this podcast so that people are like oh what you got a problem yeah because we have a lot of secret (laughs) we got a lot of listeners but we don't get a lot of social media play um, but, you know, send a direct message to people. Uh, whatever you feel comfortable doing, get it out. But do some reviews. That's what helps. Have you listened to our podcast? I think I listened to Xander's. Yes. It's good. He's, Xander's really good. Yeah. Xander <laughs> is the man. We all agree. We Xander's love Xander. Xander's good. All right. You all wish you had a friend like Xander to take you to a meeting. But if you don't, get your own butt down to a meeting. <laughs> Remember, go to these websites. There's no excuse. I think the biggest thing that I took away from this, there's no excuse. And there's no um, substitute for going to a meeting. There's no substitute for being absolutely honest with yourself first. The biggest thing, too, is, like, you're not special. Yeah. You're... you're it doesn't matter what you have. is not... You're not... If you, your life is not, unmanageable because of a behavior, whatever yeah. that may be, fill in the blank, then guess what? The ARP program, the 12 steps, there's something out there. There are people out there that are willing to help you. And if someone judges you because you're not as hardcore as them, that's on them. They don't get it. Yeah, they don't get it. I don't even pay attention to them. Last words? 
Just go to a meeting, get a sponsor. <laughs> Boom. Why do we preach that so much? Uh, we must well, get paid a lot. We yeah, must we get, get paid. I get paid a lot to sponsor people. <laughs> I'm making buco bucks to, to take phone calls all day long. All right. Well, thank you so much. High five. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you so much for coming. Boom. Until next time, my name's Brad. And I'm Jim, an Shelter